0: And if you're joining us at home, uh, you, you don't have to uh, stand. But if you are here uh, here in person, we ask that you stand as able for the reading of God's word. Again, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, today's message is called Deep Joy. And I was thinking about, you know, we were talking last week about New Year's resolutions and all those kinds of things. And sometimes I I have kind of mixed feelings on resolutions just because I think sometimes they can be self-generated or they can be, you know... um, kind of like sometimes it's, it's not something that we're always able to keep, but I don't think it's a bad idea to decide that you want to make a, a decision to do something for the Lord and, or something, uh, you know, God puts something on your heart. And I wanted to share with you uh, today something that God has put on my heart for me, and maybe it might be something helpful for you. So again, I'm not telling you what to make a resolution for, but I think for me, uh, where God has been leading me is uh, I want 2024 to be a year of joy. You know, uh, what does that mean? I mean, joy is, I think, something that we all want. But, uh, you know, as we will find in this scripture, right, that uh, it's something that gets proclaimed a lot, to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And so that always, that constancy of joy I mean, for one, I think it's something that we should want, but I I think for me, I think uh, my life as a Christ follower, I'll be honest, hasn't always been marked by joy. I think in many ways, uh, my religious background, uh, the church I went to, I I think there was a lot of guilt and shame that was really (laughs) emphasized, and I don't know if people meant it that way, but that's the way I took from it, and uh, or, or, you know, that that's kind of what I learned growing up was just lots of guilt and just always feeling bad about everything. And, you know, I, I think serving was something that you're supposed to do out of joy, but it's something that, you know, I, I feel like for me, there's always this feeling of obligation or, you know, you have to do it. If you don't do it, you know, then... You're doing something wrong, and I, I think, especially now as a pastor, you know, it's my job, right? And so, if I don't serve, or if I don't do these things, if I don't, if I don't pray, you know, that there is this this degree of guilt that I always feel, and you know, um, it, it's something for me that I was thinking about. Um, I, I was meeting with Ginny uh, Kim, who's our uh, campus lead, and uh, the the uh, oftentimes with uh, the people who um, are are the 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 leads for uh, uh, the campus ministry, it's it's a lot of work, and there's a lot that goes into it. And one of the things that I've challenged uh, our campus leads before is um, with a question. Where are you experiencing the joy of the Lord as you serve? And that's a question that I want to ask for all of you. And it may not be in serving, it just might be in life. Where are you experiencing the joy of the Lord in your life, in your work, in your school. Are you? Are you experiencing the joy of the Lord? You know, or are the things that we have to do, it's just it's just what you have to do. You're like, Pastor Steve, it's just my job. You know? It's it's just it's just school, right? I mean, you just have to get through it. You know, and I wonder even for something like church, if we think of it that way. Well, I said I would do it. You know, someone asked me, and I felt guilty, you know. I felt like no one else was serving, so I might as well do it, you know. And there's this sense of, like, it's just, it's just like a burden, you know. It's just a duty. It's just something I do, you know. And so for me, I think it's something that God has been challenging me, you know, especially as I read passages like the one that we just read. Rejoice always, You know, not just sometimes, you know, not just on Sundays or not just when you think about it, but always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. God wants to do something within us, and I think it involves joy. I've been very challenged by a lot of the teachings of Dallas Willard. And it's something he used to ask pastors that he would come across. Dallas Willard was a professor of philosophy at USC. He's gone to be with the Lord, but he was a very faithful Christ follower. And, you know, just through, like, he wrote a few books and different things. I think there's a lot of pastors who cross paths with him. And, you know, there'd be times where he'd meet a pastor and they just seemed to be like so serious. Like not, being serious isn't a bad thing, but it's just like, you know, their faces were like, you know, we got to serve the Lord, you know? And just just so serious all the time. And, you know, so he would ask them a question and he would do it gently. It wasn't meant as a rebuke per se, or like, you know, not, not something to make you feel bad about. Uh, but he, he'd say like, you know, I, just just wondering, do you think that Jesus was joyful? Like, like when you picture Jesus, is he smiling? You know, do you think Jesus, when he was serving, he's always like, come on, disciples, let's go. You know, I wonder, I wonder with the way that a lot of us serve, you know, this idea, this is the will of God for you, to have joy, to rejoice always, right? And there's something in this, right, that's very interesting because oftentimes when we read this passage, right, like because, you know, you can't read the whole, well, you can, but on a given Sunday, it's hard to read the entire letter in its entirety, right? That, that would be quite a bit, you know, quite a bit to chew on. And so we've got these verses, and we just kind of pick them out, right? And oftentimes, I think we leave out verse 19, right? We're like, oh, you know, it's a complete thought. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, full stop. But I, I think some of you may know there's no punctuation in, uh, the, the, in, in the Greek, uh, uh, in what we have, right? And so we kind of have to, you know, decide where is a period, you know, by context. But I wonder if this next part, do not quench the spirit, is included in this or it's meant to be, right? There's something about rejoicing always that if you do the reverse, right, what most of us do, we don't rejoice always. Right? We rejoice very sporadically, you know. We're not always thankful, you know? we're, we're not always praying. We're not always in communication with God. I wonder if there's something in there that could it be we're quenching the spirit? I, I don't know. I don't know. Just 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 a thought, right? And so, I, I, as we think about this idea of having joy, you know, um, I want to ask you guys a question because I think that. This isn't something unique to Christians, I think, you know, to say, do you want to have more joy in your life, right? I think most people would say yes, right? I think most people make New Year's resolutions because they want to experience more joy in some ways, right? And so, in many ways, I think sometimes when we read passages like this, it's kind of like, well, Pastor Steve, like, like," it, it doesn't sound very spiritual, you know, even though it's in scripture, right? It's very clear. And, and uh, if you guys know, like, like Philippians, for example, this is Thessalonians, but Philippians, it just keeps talking about rejoicing. Rejoice, 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 rejoice always. Again, I will say rejoice. And it's all throughout scripture, but still our mindset, and maybe for some of us, we're like, Pastor Steve, this just sounds so like worldly, you know, because the world, everybody is chasing joy. And I think that's true. But I have a question for you. Are they finding joy? Are we as human beings in this world, you know, secular human beings, even without God, are we naturally joyful? Because people are seeking it. They absolutely are seeking it. People are designing their lives to find joy, right? In every moment, they're like, hey, how can I find joy today? How can I be more happy, right? People are always seeking it right? And and I, I think we think that the decisions we're making are those to find joy, but when you look around the world, is it a joyful world? Are people naturally joyful? Well, friends, I, I mean, you know, it kind of leads to some natural questions. Are the things that we are chasing giving us joy, right? Because, you know, I, I think you guys know, we have More toys and more money, at least in America, than we have ever had in human history, right? All of the things that I think we thought would make us joyful, well, we have it more so than we've ever had. This isn't to say that there isn't suffering or difficulty or that there aren't financial struggles for people. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, and, you know, you could agree or disagree with me, that I think in many ways... America, a lot of people, we want to find joy, right? I mean, like, like there's so many things, right? So many apps, so many uh, uh, streaming services. Like, why do you watch a show? Do you want to watch a show um, to be bored? No. I mean, you're trying to find joy. You're trying to find enjoyment, right? We're always looking for things to make us happy. And when you look around this world, you know, when you walk around the streets, do you see a lot of joyful people? Do you see a lot of people who just, it's like they're dead inside. There's So much anxiety, so much depression, right? I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, right? But when we just look at the world and we say so many people, their personal project is to find joy, but they're not, right? Would you agree with me? Right? There's something going wrong when we look for joy on our own and we're not finding it, right? And so, friends, if we are not naturally finding joy, then I think we are going to need something supernatural. I want to point out a passage that often we don't think about when we think about joy. Um, this is from Romans 6, and it's going to talk about this idea of our old self. Really what it says is the old human, your old way of being, right? And, and there's this biblical understanding that there is a natural self. There's a way that most of us are built, right? And this is the way that most people live, right? And so again, I want to tie this idea that if our natural self is not finding joy, then I think we might need something else. So it says, we know that our old self was crucified with him, with Christ, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now, we often think of sin as just bad things you do, right? But sin, it's, it's in Greek, it's harmatia, right? It's an archery term. It means missing the mark. We are not living righteously, rightly, the way that God desires for us. We are doing our own thing right? That's what it means. And we're enslaved to certain ways of doing things, right? We'll, we'll more on that later. But it says, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, right? So if we died with Christ, right, we need to die to ourselves so that we can live with him. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This idea of the Christian journey, and we have been talking about this all year long, getting deeper in, in, in our relationship with God. It really is about having the life of Jesus within us, right? And if the life of Jesus is one of joy, that's something that we should be experiencing too, right? And so the way of this world, it's not leading towards joy. It's leading, well, even though people are seeking it, right? No doubt they're seeking it, but they're not getting it, right? And so we need to die to the way that we have been living in order to be alive to God in Christ Jesus, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. What does it mean by passions? It's your fleshly desires, your natural tendencies, right? And so friends, this idea of even though you might want joy, but you're not getting it, why? Why? Because your natural tendencies are not leading towards it, right? So let's just use an example. Right? You're driving your car, and you're like, you know, I mean, probably, maybe you're not thinking about consciously, but you don't want to have a bad day. You don't want to think, I don't know, homicidal thoughts while you're living this day, right? Maybe you wanted to have a good day. You wanted to have a happy day. You wanted to have a joyful day. But some idiot decides that he wants to drive 20 miles below the speed limit in the fast lane, in the passing lane, right? And all of a sudden, you start feeling something, right? You start feeling away. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe someone cuts you off, or someone doesn't use their turn signal, or someone, right? Uh, something happens, and then you start feeling away. What, what is that way? Those are your passions, those are your desires, those are the things that just naturally boil. So maybe you thought to yourself, I was going to have a great day. But before you know it, you're yelling, you're screaming, your face is red, your heart is like elevated, your blood pressure is elevated, and you're just like, ah, why? Oh, this day stinks. Like, ah, oh. you're so angry, right? Why? Because you obeyed your passions. Does that make sense? Right? You wanted joy, but you didn't find it. Why? Because you obeyed your passions. What would you need to do in that scenario to experience joy? Because it says, rejoice always, right? How do you rejoice always in that scenario? Well, number one, you gotta stop obeying your passions, (laughs) right? I know we say this thing, and it just sounds like, I mean, it's become a Disney song, right? Let it go, let it go, right? Like, it sounds so trite, but I think in many ways, there is so much truth to this idea. You gotta let go of your passions. Right, so when you just look at it, just you know, just from if you want to call it logically, or you, you know, you just kind of take some of the emotion out of it. It's like, what would be better for you, right? Like, I, I know you're feeling all these things. Like, Pastor Steve is not fair. They, people shouldn't drive this way. Yeah, but it just happened, right? And that person's gone. You can't change it. I mean, some people I know. Some people like will chase that person down. Like, I'm going to teach them. You know, I used to honk, you know, and I'd honk my horn and, mm, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm teaching them a lesson. They will know now. They will know now that what they did was wrong, right? And I'm restoring some justice to the world. They don't care. They don't care, right? It's not going to change their behavior, right? I mean, it will or it won't. I don't know. But we have no control over that. It's happened. Now. What are we left with? If you obey your passions, which your passions are, I'm going to lose my stuff, and I'm going to start yelling, and I'm going to start pounding the steering wheel, and all of these things within you, you just follow the course of your passions, no joy. (laughs) You got lots of anger. You got lots of other stuff. Definitely no joy. So in many ways, to choose joy in that scenario means you got to learn to let that go. I mean, there's all this stuff in the Bible, Right? You know, not letting that anger rule you, right? Uh, uh, being able to forgive, turn the other cheek, all this stuff. There's a reason why God is putting that in there, why, why Jesus says that, right? God's will for you is to rejoice, to have joy. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that's God's will for you. I'm not saying that's exclusively God's joy, God, God's will for you. I'm not saying that just God wants you to be happy. That's not what we're talking about. But this idea of actual joy, would it surprise you to know that that's God's will for you? God doesn't want you to fly off the handle and ruin your day and maybe break your hand by slamming it on the steering wheel <laughs> or getting, going home and then you're all worked up and then, I don't know, something happens at home and you start yelling at your kids or yelling at your wife or whatever. I don't think that's God's will for you. Your passions might lead you in that direction. But if we are to live with Christ, we must die to those things. We must learn how to let go. So friends, you know, we ask this question, how much joy have you been experiencing? Do you experience joy daily? And I wonder if that's the wrong question. (laughs) <laughs> because I think what a lot of us think is joy, especially happiness, maybe not joy. I think start, some of us are starting to understand it. Maybe you've heard sermons where they've said, there's a difference between happiness and joy. And I think some of this is very helpful to say, happiness is tied to happenings. That's the way many of us think about it, right? Something happens that's good. I don't know, if the sun is shining, I'm happy. You know. Uh, if, if I get a promotion and someone's nice to me, You know, if I have something good to eat, something good happened, therefore I am happy. But we sometimes talk about joy as an internal state. And so this idea of how much joy have you been experiencing, do you experience joy daily? I think a lot of it we just think is outside of our control. We're like, but Pastor Steve, my job stinks. You know, you don't understand, right? You don't understand. I'm going through actual suffering, like really difficult things. And I don't doubt that. But so did Jesus. And I think when we're talking here, right, like you hear people like Paul, who's saying, rejoice always again, I will say rejoice. He's writing that from prison, guys. So you think Paul doesn't know? He doesn't know that there's circumstances that are difficult to praise in, difficult to find joy in? Of course he knows that, right? It's not about your circumstances, it doesn't say, how much joy are you experiencing? It doesn't say experience joy daily. It says rejoice, which means something active. You've got to go out and find the joy. you got to go out and celebrate and express the joy. That is what God is asking of us, right? Rejoice, always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And friends, I, I just just capture that for a moment. Rejoice, always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I want to show you in Philippians how it phrases it. But it's very similar. Instead of all of that, it says rejoice in the Lord always. That part we don't see, but it's implied. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. It's got to be done in the Lord. How do you experience joy all the time? It can't just be self-generated. It must be in the Lord. Right? So yes, there are things that are blocking the joy, keeping you from seeing it. Right? Your passions, your desires, your anger, all of these things can keep you from joy. But what is going to give you joy? Well, here it talks about pray without ceasing. So, so the idea is that you have a communication, a, a line open with God all the time. You know that God is there. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. Right? Can you imagine having an ongoing conversation with your spouse or something like that, you know, with somebody in your family? You may not talk the whole time, right? but they're there. And because they're there, in many ways, the communication never stopped. And that's the way it is with God. Pray without ceasing implies that you know that God is there. And you act and behave as if God is there. Right? You remember that God is there. It changes everything. And so this idea that God is with me and you give thanks in all circumstances you are able to see the joy of the lord in everything you do and i know that's not always easy for us to do right but it's something that you would see you know from jesus and the disciples and from paul paul would be in prison and he'd be like oh my gosh what a wonderful opportunity this is for me to preach the gospel to these prison guards now, because I'm in prison, these people can come to know the Lord. Praise God. And I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, man, this stinks. I don't want to be in jail. I want to go where I want to go. But Paul, he was like, oh, if the Lord has led me here, praise God. You know, I can give thanks in this circumstance. It's not just the silver lining. He believed that God put him there. And so he could see God In all of those things, even the things that can be hard, someone cuts you off, praise God, what a wonderful opportunity this is for me to learn how to forgive, (laughs) for me to learn how to not, you know, blow my stack, right? You know, there's something in this for me because the Lord is in every circumstance. And if the Lord is in every circumstance, then I can give thanks and I can rejoice and I can praise right and and in this way friends we are not quenching the spirit because the lord is in everything right uh, so there is more that god wants for us it's not just for the joy but the joy makes everything easier doesn't it you know maybe some of you are thinking like pastor steve but there's so much more to life you know uh, god is asking us to do these things and to serve him yeah But when you see someone like Paul, he did it with joy, right? He's like, I'm a slave for the Lord, you know, and he was happy about it. He's like, I get to serve the Lord, right? And everything he did was in joy, in the joy of the Lord, right? And friends, I got to say, um, I'm sharing this with you partially because this has been a, a huge challenge for me. Um, like I said, maybe it's the way I grew up, I don't know, but I have this thing within me where I, I it, it kind of sounds like hyperbole, but in many ways it's not. I feel bad about everything. This is just my natural setting, right? When we talk about like following our desire, or following our passions, the things that are leading you, the emotions, right? This is the way that I am. When I do something or don't do something, I feel bad, Right? It's like, like when it comes to church, like I'm not doing enough, or when it comes to you know something at home, or if I get angry about something, I feel bad, I did something wrong. It's always I am not measuring up again and again and again and again. And i got to say that um, the spirituality of the Jewish people, I think, is probably pretty similar to the kind of spirituality I grew up with. Always feeling like you're messing up and, you know, they're aware of their sin, right? And in many ways, that's not always a bad thing, right? There are some people who go around and they don't feel bad about anything. And they just, you know, they're leaving fires and they're causing messes all over the place. And they seriously don't feel bad at all. And you know what we call those people? Sociopaths, right? It's not good. It's not good to just like do things and not feel bad at all, right? Like there should be some things where we're like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. There's a better way to do it, right? So it's not all bad. But I will say that for me, it's, it can be very crippling. And the guilt and the shame is not very helpful in the long run. And maybe some of you have come from that as well. And I wonder if there's people like Paul, there's some of the disciples, and they're like, Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Why would you want anything to do with me? I just keep screwing up over and over. There's not a lot of joy there, of course. Why can someone like Paul, who persecuted the church, he approved at the stoning of Stephen. He was someone who vigorously put Christians in jail. And, and he knows that he's a sinner. He sometimes would say, I'm the chief of sinners. And yet he's here towards the end of his life. He says, rejoice always. It's all joy. Guys, you can rejoice in the, in the Lord Always. You know how we could do this? Because when we're talking before about these things being put to death, the reason why we can put all those things to death, the reason why we can live in a different way is because of what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins, something you could not do, we can start fresh. And in everything, in everything, everything, there is the grace of God in everything, right? We don't need to hold on to these things. We don't need to feel bad for all the bad things that we have done. Yeah, you shouldn't have done it, right? And you can confess that. and You can say, God, I shouldn't do it this way. And then you leave it at the feet of Jesus. You leave it at the cross because Jesus rightly died for that. Not rightly because It was right of him. It makes no sense that he did that. But it was righteous of him. Jesus was so righteous. Jesus was so loving. Jesus was so gracious that now we don't have to hold these things. And now we can hold on to joy. Friends, um, what about you? When you think about this year, what 2024 is going to be, what, what, what you desire out of, out of, you know, life and <laughs> the next few months. What do you want? What is that you really want? You know, I, I, I think for a lot of us, we do want joy. But the kind of joy that God wants to offer you, it's a real deep joy because it's not based on your circumstance. It's something that you can always experience, Right? if we can lay down the things that are holding us back from that, and if we can embrace continually the grace that God is always extending to us. That's why you can drop it so quickly. That's why you can forgive so quickly, because you remember the cross. Again, you just keep going back to that. You remember the grace again and again and again. And if there's something holding you back, you're like, yeah, but I can't be forgiven for that nonsense. Christ has already paid for that so friends, 2024 (laughs) can be the year of joy. 2025 can be too, but this is the year we're in, right? This can be a year of joy. Do you want that? I want that. I want joy. I want the joy that the Lord wants to give. I want the freedom that the Lord wants to give. I want the peace that the Lord wants to give. And as a symbol of what Christ has done for us, we're going to go into communion. So if you guys are joining us from home, feel free to uh, uh, grab uh, your own drink, your own something to to eat. And uh, uh, friends, we'll we'll explain how this goes in a moment. Um, But Jesus shared uh, a meal with his friends before he went to the cross. And these friends, many of them would betray him, would flee, would lose faith, And it wasn't their finest moment. And yet, Jesus was extending them this meal of friendship. And it's something we call communion, to become one with Jesus. He's extending this to sinners, to people who've screwed up. They don't deserve it. And, And this is the message of communion, is this meal, this fellowship and friendship is being extended to you. It's not because of what you've done. It's not because you deserve it. It's because Jesus is so gracious. And so friends, you are invited to come to this table, not because you deserve it, but on the merits of Christ. So in the United Methodist Church, we practice something that we call open communion, which simply means that anyone can come. You are all welcome at this table. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He shared that meal, and he broke bread. This is the body of Christ which is given for you, for all of us. And his body was broken as his bread was broken on the cross, and his blood was shed. As symbolically, he took a a, a cup. And this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the blood of Jesus, which was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And friends, in the same way, we are told to take of this bread and to take of this cup and to remember what Christ has done for us. And so let's pray that this can become to us symbolically the body and blood of Christ for us. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have done. And we can give thanks. We can rejoice in everything because of what you have done for us, because of your grace, Lord, You are with us and you are always with us, God. Your forgiveness is always with us. Your grace is always with us, Lord. And so, God, we can always rejoice. Thank you, God, for the gift of bread and cup. May they become to us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Shed for us for the forgiveness of sins that we can join in your life, join in your joy, in your purpose, in your mission, in your kingdom, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So friends, if you're joining us from home, this is the body of Christ which is given for you and the blood of Christ which is shed for you. Thanks be to God. So in a moment...